It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, it's Claire here. This week, I've been wondering whether having a high credit score could boost your dating prospects. Attaching a screenshot of your credit score to your dating profile has, believe it or not, become a thing in America, and I've been writing in the Financial Times about how it's also catching on over here. Why? Well, people believe, rightly or wrongly, that being able to manage your finances well signifies that you could be a more reliable, more responsible partner, or at least more ready to settle down. With credit scores taking on this renewed romantic significance, we thought it would be timely to rerun this episode, originally aired in June 2022, where we bust many popular myths about debt and credit. So if you need to show your credit score some love, listen up and find my recent column free to read in today's show notes. Did you know that in order to take out any significant loan, like a mortgage, you need to have been in debt before? You might think never having had any debt proves that you're financially responsible. But in fact, in the eyes of lenders, it doesn't prove anything. What actually matters is how good you've been at repaying debt, and your creditworthiness is scored on that. One person described it to me as you're being asked to like walk along the very edge of the cliff for half a mile. And if you can get to the end of the half a mile, it shows you're good at walking along the edge of the cliff. But what about all the people that have fallen off? How good you are at walking along that perilous cliff edge of debt is judged by data that banks and lending companies compile about you. They use it to give you a credit score. These records could be the key to whether or not you buy that house, that car, or secure that urgently needed loan. I think I've always just thought of the idea of one day being able to have my own house or have a mortgage and the thought that there could be something out there that accidentally, you know, tips it off and I don't manage to, yeah, get the thing that I want is a little bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. Coming up, the world of credit scores and credit files. What exactly are they? Why do they matter? And how can you use a credit card to improve your score? We'll have expert advice. But first, back to Emma, who you just heard at the top of the show. She spoke to our producer, Persis Love. Okay, so would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your current situation? Yeah, so I um, graduated last year. I'm 22 and I've just sort of been in my first job for a while now, for nearly a year. And I suppose last year, a bit before, I started thinking more about my finances because I'm now paying my own rent and bills and everything. And I thought I need to maybe start preparing a little bit for the future, maybe. So have you ever looked up your credit score? I did actually. My mum told me she was like, maybe you can just look up and see what's you know what it's like at the moment. And so, 
I did. I couldn't look at all the um, the details of it. I just sort of got the general score and it, it looked pretty good and I was quite impressed, but I didn't necessarily know exactly why that was the case. While Emma was still at uni, she opened a help to buy ISA to start saving for a house deposit. Once she started working, she started thinking more and more about her long-term finances. After that, I thought, well, maybe I should think about the future a little bit more and how I can maybe... Um, you know, build a credit score. I sort of thought that one of the ways to improve the mortgage you can actually get is to build a credit score. So that was like the main sort of five to 10 year plan that was leading the idea. And do you know what sorts of things would kind of positively or negatively impact a credit score? Um, I suppose even just paying off your bills on time every month, um, not going dramatically into an overdraft or missing any repayments on other things like that can, I think, can build your score. (laughs) And do you have, like, in terms of outgoings, do you know if you have outgoings currently that contribute towards your credit score? I don't actually know. I mean, I would assume the bills that I pay monthly and, like, council tax and things like that, but I don't have any other sort of repayments that I have to make. Do you have a phone contract? No. Do you do like top up? Pay as I go. Pay as you go, yeah. And do you ever do buy now, pay later, like Klarna? No, I've never. I've been too scared to touch things like that. (laughs) Why why scared? Just because I suppose I like to know what I've spent and that I've spent it now and that I don't have some sort of imaginary money to play with that then you perhaps forget or sort of don't account for later on. I've quite liked to know what I'm doing and be able to see that happen in real time rather than later on. So if you had to describe your spending kind of approach, your spending habits, how would you describe them? Probably quite conservative in the sense that I would always think about what I'm paying and I try to not buy really expensive things sort of you know when it's not necessary or if I do I'm like really think about it before I do it. And when you did check your credit score and you saw that you had a good one how did you feel? I was quite impressed with myself um, but equally because I didn't know exactly why you know all the details behind it um, I was slightly I suppose curious to find out you know exactly what it is that's affecting it and that has been affecting it when I haven't really been aware of it before. It doesn't surprise me that financially responsible Emma has the makings of a good credit score. But she's been thinking of ways to build on that, and the main thing she's hit on is getting her first credit card. Where to start? I did research the um, credit builder cards because I thought it sounds like a useful place to start. But I did notice that it was for people who were sort of already in debt or struggling with credit, as well as people who were starting sort of from scratch. And I saw as well there were different sort of APR ratings and things and I didn't know really whether it was good to start with a low a low percentage, like a deal at the beginning, or whether because I'm not actually looking for, you know, to take out loads of money, whether it was better to choose something that was slightly, like a slightly higher percentage that then might show a better credit score if I can pay things off. And, but I wasn't really sure entirely. So... How can our money clinic experts help Emma today? I suppose I'd really like to know the differences between the different sorts of credit cards and how they may best help sort of different sorts of people. And then I'd also like to know, once I've got a card, the most effective way to use it, the sorts of things that are really good to, you know, spend with it, and then how that can effectively build the score in a way that's 
you know, quite easy to manage and not too um, risky. And I'd really like to know the sorts of things that contribute to the credit score and, and what actually is as a, as a whole sort of number. A couple of weeks after Emma had first got in touch with us, she joined me in the studio to hear what our two experts had to say. I'm Katie Watts. I'm a consumer expert at moneysavingexpert.com. Well, thanks for joining us, Katie. I'm going to start with a short question. What is a credit score? It's a really interesting question, Claire, because a credit score is not actually something that lenders use to uh, decide if they're going to lend to you. So in the UK, we have three main credit reference agencies. We have Experian, we have Equifax and we have TransUnion. And a credit score is just something that they give you to show you roughly how healthy your credit file is looking. OK, let's do some jargon busting here so we're all on the same page. A credit score, also called a credit rating, is a number saying how good your credit file is. Experian, the UK's largest credit reference agency, gives borrowers a score between 0 and 999. Anything above 720 is considered fair, but you'll need to score over 880 to be considered good and over 960 to be considered an excellent credit risk. And a credit file, report or record is all of the info about your borrowing history on which this score is based. Back to Katie. What really matters is what's in your credit file. So a credit file is sort of like a financial fact file on you. It tells the lender a little bit about your uh, borrowing history, a little bit about your addresses, any information about your uh, past financial behaviour. So if you've got a county court judgment against you for any reason, which is unlikely to happen if you're a new borrower. And it also includes electoral roll information, which is how they ID check you. That's why it's so important for your credit score to make sure you are on the electoral roll. Yeah, and it's a really easy way to boost your credit score as well. You can also see on your file things like your mobile phone contracts and sometimes utility contracts. And lenders look at your credit file along with other information like your past behaviour with them, if you've, if you've banked with them for before, for example. And they also look at information on your application. So things like your salary, uh, how big your family is, where you're currently living. And those three things all come together to help them decide if you're going to be reasonable to lend to, if you're going to be a good borrower, if you're going to repay them on time, and if you're uh, going to effectively make them money as well in the end. Now, there are a lot of myths about credit scores that you're very keen to bust. So tell us a a couple of those. Yeah, so on your uh, credit report, there are some things that people think are in it that are not. So they don't know anything about your race or your religion or your ethnicity. Uh, They don't know about your council tax arrears, if there are any, because councils don't report that to credit reference agencies. They also don't know anything about your medical history. They don't know anything about your student loan, unless you borrowed before 98. Um, And they also don't know anything about your savings as well. So, you know, just having a big pile of savings doesn't make your credit rating any better. Wow. Well, I'm surprised about about some of those. But when it comes to building up your credit score, you heard from Emma there, she doesn't have a phone contract. She does pay as you go. She's never used buy now, pay later services. So how can she go about building up her credit history in a safe way? 
So if you've got what's called a thin file, so there's not a lot of information on your credit report if you're a new borrower, if you're quite a young borrower, for somebody like Emma, it's likely that a useful product to get at least to start off with, is a 0% overdraft, a limited one that you use and repay, or to get a credit card. And like Emma said, there are credit cards that are meant for credit building, but there are also other credit cards that she might be surprised that she can get. So there are credit cards for spending, and they charge you 0% interest for spending for a certain amount of months. There are cards that give you the best exchange rates overseas when you spend on them. There are cards that give you rewards like cashback or vouchers, depending on how you how you spend on them. And there are other cards as well that are designed for people, for example, who fly a lot. A word of warning here. Don't go rushing off to snap up one of those enticing credit card deals because every time you apply, what's known as a hard credit check ends up being recorded on your file. It's contradictory. The act of applying for credit can actually take your credit score down a few notches. If you get accepted, you'll quickly build your score back up again. But if you get rejected, well, that will reduce it even further. So let's talk a bit about how somebody like Emma could go about choosing one of those cards. Now, she's heard of credit builder cards. She's aware that the interest rates on those are much higher than other cards. But she's also encountered those three little letters, APR. Could you explain what APR means to the uninitiated? So APR stands for annual percentage rate. And it's basically the rate of interest that you're charged And in this country, it's a representative rate. So that means that about 51% of people or more have to get the rate that's advertised. Others who are accepted could get a higher rate for that. Effectively, what happens is if you haven't repaid your card in full every month, the amount that you haven't repaid is charged. And that means that that interest accrues month on month throughout the year. Beware. Making the minimum repayment can keep you in debt for decades. I'll give you a quick sketch. If 22-year-old Emma borrowed £3,000 today and only paid off the monthly minimum, she would be nearly 50 years old by the time her debt was cleared. Plus, she would have paid nearly £4,500 in interest on top of the £3,000 she borrowed. Ouch! That example is based on a credit card with a 20% interest rate. But some credit builder cards charge double that level of interest. Double ouch! The easiest thing to do with any credit card that you get to start off with is to set up a direct debit for the minimum repayment at least. And then that's always covered. You never default on a payment. You never miss a payment. And those things really significantly harm your credit file. Of course, once you've got your first credit card, it doesn't end there. You have to keep maintaining your credit score. Tell us more about how to do that. You do. So there's two main things to keep on top of. The first is looking after your credit properly. And the second is to make sure that your information on your credit reports is always correct. So let's start with the first. Keeping your credit report healthy means looking after your credit properly. So budgeting and repaying, hopefully in full, if not at least the minimum payment. Um, It means making sure that you uh, have enough credit and you're using it, but not too much that's going unused. So you might want to see if there's any old cards or accounts that you might want to close down as well, because lenders will count that against you as well. 
And the second thing, keeping your info updated. This is surprisingly important. Now, what you need to do is check all three credit reference agencies. So again, that's Experian, Equifax and TransUnion. Free to do that. It's free to do that. So you can go directly to them and get a basic free report. And then what you need to look for is any mistakes in your addresses and update them in your in your bank accounts or, or credit accounts that you've got open. You want to look for any uh, defaults that might have been unfair. You want to make sure that you're not financially linked to anyone as well. And then that way their credit score doesn't affect yours. So it's about checking back. And we say at least once a year, but definitely when you're gearing up to getting a mortgage or something like that um, and making sure that everything on that credit report is correct. Katie has a final piece of advice for anyone using a credit card for the first time. It's really important not to use a credit card to plug gaps in your income. That's not what they're meant for, and that will significantly harm your credit file. If you're struggling with your income, you need to try and get help from a not-for-profit debt service like Step Change, Citizens Advice, National Debtline. Um, you know, it shouldn't be there to plug gaps in, in the bills that you're trying to pay. Well, lots of information there from Katie. What did you make of it, Emma? I think it was quite surprising actually that the credit score itself is not something that's actually used by lenders so I didn't really realise that I suppose when I was looking at it I just heard that it was a useful thing to build but then I suppose from there I wasn't really sure exactly what happened so that was quite a useful thing. Well it's an it's an indicator of what's in the file but of course for people like you were you surprised to hear her say that you have a thin file? <laughs> yeah I mean I suppose it makes some sense in that I didn't really know what went in it, but then I thought that maybe council tax did contribute somewhat. Mm. Anything else that surprised you about what does and what doesn't go into your credit file? Um, I think the student loan as well, because that's just, you know, it's the loan I have, I suppose, is my first sort of loan that I've got. And the savings, just a lot of things that maybe I would think affected how I look on paper, but actually don't go towards it. Excellent. Now, the second expert we're going to play you is um, a lady called Sarah Williams, who runs a blog called The Debt Camel. My name is Sarah Williams, and I'm a debt advisor, and I've been blogging under the name Debt Camel for about eight years now. Um, so I do quite think of myself as Debt Camel. Now, we're talking about credit scores today. It does seem like a paradoxical situation to get a good credit score and build up your credit file, you need to borrow. But in order to borrow, you need a good credit score. It's a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? It is It is certainly chicken and egg. And a lot of people in their early 20s, like Emma, see this as something ri ridiculous they're being asked to do. And a lot of people, the first credit card they get, they will describe four or five years later as the start of a slippery slope into too much debt because it takes a long while to repay a credit card if you only make the minimum payments. Emma wants to improve her credit score by getting a credit card. What's the Debt Camel's advice here? Well, first of all, there actually isn't any hurry. Uh, it is a good idea to have um, a credit card on your credit record at the point you're applying for a mortgage. That sounds like it's going to be at least five years in the future. If she doesn't have anywhere near a house deposit saved up, it, it's not going to be immediate. So she should probably think about getting a credit card at least a couple of years before um, she gets a mortgage. 
It does sound like Emma's sensible, and if she gets a credit builder card and uses it right, it will improve her credit score. And as time goes on, it will look better and better to a future lenders that she's had this card and she's been sensible with it. And Debt Camel has this specific tip. The best thing for your credit score is to use a credit card every month for a total which is less than 30% of your credit limit. So when you get a credit card, there's a credit limit attached to it. If that's, say, £500, you want to keep your um, spending during that month to under 30% of that £500. So £150 or less? £150 or less. And then you want to pay that bill off in full at the end of the month when you've been sent a statement. But as we've already heard, there can be downsides to credit builder cards and you need to be careful. So if you've got a very busy month or you're sick or you're away on holiday, you can't forget to make a payment because you're trying to improve your credit with one of these credit builder cards. One missed payment is going to be problems for a future mortgage and much bigger problems than if you hadn't had a credit card at the start. One popular way of borrowing, buy now, pay later, has previously been excluded from your credit report, but no longer. Regulation is coming, and one of the first steps of that is that from this month, all purchases using Klarna are going to be reported on Experian and TransUnion credit records. And how might that benefit or detriment young borrowers like Emma? If you repay it on time um, and you've got very little on your credit score, Hmm. then getting some positive things that you've borrowed and then repaid will normally help your credit score and it helps build your credit record. This is going to be a bit unusual for the buy now, pay later because the purchases are being recorded on your credit record But from the start, they're not going to be taken into account when they calculate a credit score for you. The long and the short of it is that if you can't pay back the money on a buy now, pay later account and end up being hounded by debt collectors, then that is going to affect both your credit file and credit score. So tread carefully. Now, finally, I would like to ask you about debt traps. We've said it's very easy to get credit for a price, no matter what your score is, but it's also very easy to get into trouble with problem debt, which is a large part, Sarah, of what the Debt Camel blog is about, helping people to recover um, after becoming too laden down with debt, like the camel in the deserts. So tell our listeners about the things that they really need to avoid as they begin their credit journey? I think the main thing to avoid is accumulating debt uh, without a clear purpose and a clear strategy for paying it off. The slippery slope into debt comes where people just build up more on credit cards, um, then take out a catalogue, then they perhaps take out a loan to consolidate some of that debt, the loan may look cheaper, 
but it's still quite large loan repayments a month and then people start borrowing again on the credit cards. Even if debt looks really cheap, even if you've got a 0% credit card deal, when you come to take a mortgage, the mortgage lender's going to think that's real debt. It's not just some sort of cheap money. It's not imaginary money, certainly not to, to a mortgage lender. Lots of tips there from the debt camel. What did you make of her advice? It made me quite pleased that I'd sort of not fallen into the traps, even though I was, you know, quite new to all of this. And also maybe that doing this buy now, pay later thing, you know, that I have avoided was perhaps, you know, sensible. But then now that it's changing and it's now being, you know, recorded a bit more proves that it, it is quite an important thing. And I think it, it could be quite easy to fall into that sort of idea before you even consider a credit card. So I feel like I feel quite safe in my decisions at the moment. One of the biggest traps that Sarah and Katie mentioned is the minimum repayment. We might have a credit limit of four or five thousand pounds as a result of having a good score, but can you restrain yourself? <laughs> I'd like to think I could. Um, but I do think that minimum repayment is something I hadn't really thought that much about, and that you know you you think you're repaying what you need to, but actually you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. So it's good to know that I shouldn't just stick to doing that every month but actually have to consider the bigger picture and not let the the company sort of get to you in that way that's it for money clinic this week and we hope you like what you've heard if you did spread the word and leave us a review and if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show get in touch you can email me our address is money at ft.com or DM me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced by Persis Love and Philippa Goodrich. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragosa, our sound engineer is Breen Turner, and the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.